Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 99th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have our season finale recap and breakdown of Marvel's Moon Knight, along with our MCU side characters draft. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 99th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy doody. Welcome to episode 99 of the Drive-In Podcast. Shout out, you guessed it, the great one, the one and only Wayne Gretzky. This is Dr. O on the horn. I'm joined as always by my co-host, my best friend, Ricky Flicks. How are you, my friend? Moon Knight talk, MCU talk. We're seeing Dr. Strange tomorrow. We had a 10 predictions blog, I mean, uh, excuse me, podcast that came out earlier in the week. All mer- all Marvel all the time right now. Yeah, my predictions aren't looking good. Um, they, they are not looking good at all. Um, the box office projections came in this weekend. Scary. And uh, yeah, it's not looking good for me. And my uh, project, project, projection for uh, the Batman to outdo Doctor Strange. But we have to keep our faith. You got to have faith. Those are just projections, Ricky Flicks. You can't call them. You can't cement them. You can't say they're fact until it actually happens, okay? Even if it has a $300 million box office opening weekend, guess what? still has to earn another $400 million in order to defeat the Batman, and your projection comes true. 450. 450. Oh, yeah. So look on the bright side, right? Look on the bright side. So I guess – there's hope. When I was cutting up that clip, I was like laughing hysterically because I saw that tweet like happen <laughs> right before I, I clipped it. I'm like, okay, this makes this clip that much better. I don't mean to make a fool out of you, Ricky Flex, but it was just funny to look back on. It, it, it was a definition of a bold take. It, it's a definition. It's what we were doing. So I don't feel bad that I did it. I just know that, yeah, my odds aren't good for this one, but keeping the faith for now. May the odds be ever in your favor, Ricky Flex. Let's get talking about Moon Knight. Let's talk about Oscar Isaac. Let's talk about Arthur Harrow with Ethan Hawke. Let's talk about Tawaret. Let's talk about Layla. Let's talk about Khonshu. And let's talk about Jake Lockley. So, Ricky Flex, upon finishing the sixth episode, the season finale, what are your instant reactions to the sixth and final episode of the season? We called it. We got our CGI fight. <laughs> We got our big CGI fight. We we guessed it for a show that was so grounded and real. The drama, the acting, but the performances by Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, the capturing this I, dissociative identity disorder. So, like I said, grounded, tackling real life issues. And what do we get? A giant alligator versus a giant skull skeleton with hair fighting in Cairo with the pyramids. That's what we ended it with. And all besides saying that, that's like what I took away with. Cause I was just thinking about this podcast, but if I wasn't thinking about this podcast, I was satisfied. I was satisfied. I don't think, I think the CGI fight, I think helped not being on the big screen. I think it looked better on the smaller screen, to be honest. I think if it was on the big screen, it would have 
showed some of its uh, like short, uh, shortfalls, to be honest. CGI so I, flaws. Yes. Yeah, so I like in Shang-Chi. So I think just it being on the smaller screen, it's just like, okay, like, all right, at least we have then on the other side, the mercenaries fighting. And that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been saying this over the past three or four weeks is I wanted to see more Moon Knight in action. And hey, Layla, she was awesome in this too. And Ethan Hawke killed it as well. This is what we wanted to see. And they waited until the final, the finale here. It was great. Um, My big takeaway, not just the CGI, like great action sequences, what what, what I've been waiting for personally. And I think a good wrap up to the story until the very, very end with the post credit scenes, which we'll get into later. But how about you? What did you think about the finale? So I went in. The penultimate episode, I said, was probably the best TV show episode that Marvel has ever come up with. So I had very high expectations. You did say that. Going into this finale, I said that this has the chance to be the greatest Marvel TV show that has been put on screen. And upon seeing this finale, Ricky, I can say... It is not the thank greatest you. Marvel TV show. Thank ever. you, thank you, thank Ricky, you, Ricky. We are switching. Snaps up for the doctor. We are switching seats right now. Your pessimism for the last two episodes. I am now calling this finale a letdown. This is a letdown. <laughs> it's not. I, I would. And it's not bad, but it certainly wasn't great as the last two episodes. This was so. As you said before, this took pride in being outside the Marvel universe. Okay. Being grounded. Part of it's very character driven. Okay. About these identities from Stephen Grant and Mark Spector. Right. It had an interesting backstory with Layla, her father's relationship with Mark Spector, and then Layla herself with Mark Spector diving into these identities. But I feel like this last episode is the definition of being Marvel fied, Disney fied. It felt yeah. so different from the other ones. You have, when I say like Marvel-fied, I'm talking about consequences that don't last. We lose Stephen Grant at the end of episode five. Within the first 15 minutes of the next episode, he's back. You got <laughs> situations where you're shoehorning in superheroes into the middle of the episode that maybe you didn't even need. That could have been a post credit scene itself where Layla becomes the Scarlet Scarab. We see at the end of this episode that Mark, or Jake Lockley, I should say, takes care of Arthur Harrow immediately. You have the Marvel Five where CGI monsters going at it at the end. It's everything that you expect in a Marvel TV show, right? No surprise, this episode delivered. So in that regard, where I thought this one could have like nailed the ending and been something completely different, it returned to Old Faithful and that what made me sad. It made me disappointed. And then the fact you had the cheesy moments, you got like the you will complete me moment, like mm. right before you got you got Stephen Grant turning around and saying, Hippo, like at the top of his lungs. I'm just like, God damn it. Like they are they just turned this thing into a real kids project after it had been something serious about dissociative identity disorder. And now it's just like any other MCU ending that we have seen prior to. It was not unique. I was actually upset that they didn't wrap up a couple storylines, and we'll get to it. But um, it wasn't bad. It's just, it's just, it had a chance to be the best MCU show, and I can't say it was. I so I agree with all your points, and like wholeheartedly agree. But I will also say 
like it's tough for me to say this, but like also some of the editing of this episode was so poor. You know they, what was bad editing wise? This also goes to show how good Oscar Isaac was. When Oscar Isaac changes from uh, Mark Spector to Stephen Grant and vice versa, they rarely cut. Mm. When Layla was changing yes, her persona, that's what I was going to say. They were cutting back and forth because she doesn't have the chops that's, like Oscar Isaac does. Dang it, Doctor. All right, cut. That's you. why. Yeah, that's why I was like hesitating because I didn't want to sound too like I was like uh like you know like negative against that the actress uh Maya or Maya whatever her name is, but like that was ridiculous. <laughs> that was just like why are we doing that? The like, constant editing that? shows that she could, it was nothing close to what Oscar Isaac is. Yeah, you know, and, and this episode respect. the first fifteen minutes had no Oscar Isaac in it. By the way. Was yep. it? I wrote it down exactly. It was like 13, it was 13 minutes. Something. Yeah, yeah. I paid okay. attention to it too. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, I will say in the beginning, Harrow with those sunglasses got Ethan Hawke killing it. Movie star. It. Movie and, star. Uh, one of the things, actually, I don't mean to bounce around here, but also, you know why I'm also kind of happy? And again, they didn't show it, but it's implied. So I'm still a little nervous for it. Is that they killed off Ethan Hawke? They killed him. Because at the end, when really Oscar did. Isaac and Layla were about to kill him, they said, nope, we're not going to do it for you, Conchu. I was like, oh, my God. Is Ethan Hawke going to somehow come back to the MCU somehow and just mcu fight like what you were saying, mcu fight this stuff? marvel fight marvel fight yeah, yeah, yeah. But they killed him, allegedly. They killed him. And I was like, yes, Ethan Hawke, now go get your Oscar. Now go get an Oscar. You did uh -huh. this. You did it. Now go get it. I was so happy with that. Overall, with his performance real quick, very satisfied with him as well. If anything, more than satisfied. Um, there were some parts where I thought like he was underutilized as a cult leader, but and at the end of the day, he did his job and better than probably most actors could have even thought uh, could have done. So definitely happy with Ethan Hawke. My favorite moment in the finale with Ethan Hawke is when he was unleashing Amit, and he the, Amit was saying like your scales aren't balanced, and it shows you like he wasn't pure evil he does have like a he wants to pure the world and he says if i'm not going to pure the world you can kill me too my job literally is to make sure that we rid potential evil in this world so he's like looking to even sacrifice himself and you hear the sincerity in ethan hawk's voice he's like, willing to drink the kool-aid i'm like exactly and that's where it's like i get it like like that's where he like played it so well and it made you believe he actually was practice what he preached you know drink the kool-aid perfect way to say it yeah, um i just sorry, i think man. there's a lot of like hypocritical things in the show with the scales and this alligator and a lot of jump scenes with layla and Kanshu, like trying to figure this out like the editing with that i thought was poor all of a sudden the first fight with Kanshu and the alligator when they're fighting and all of a sudden they're just not fighting once mark's free somehow Kanchu just, just escapes the pyramid. part where he like escaped like yeah escaped. i was like what we're just not gonna finish that fight like how did he escape like it made no sense there's a bunch of editing issues like that not just because of acting like what i was gonna say earlier with layla but also like that throughout this show but mainly this episode and it's because of this marvel fighting this to get to these cgi fights to get to these action sequences which i love but oh i don't love i love the action sequences with the humans but um yeah, I wasn't too thrilled with that. All the hypocritical, inconsistent uh, storylines playing out in this finale, I thought was a real downer after seeing like this whole series build up to this. 
and I've been so impressed by like the characters, like the writing of this story, their development. But at the end of the day, I was left unsatisfied between uh, the relationship of Mark and Layla. Like they, they never resorted like the fact that Mark potentially was responsible for her dad's death. Like they, that was never resolved. And they never. End, and you don't even get to see Layla at the end of the episode. You see her the last time you see her, they're putting Arthur Harrow and getting Amit out of him. They're supposed to sacrifice him and kill him to make sure this never happens again. But that's the last we see of Layla. And they shoehorn her and make her a hero in the middle of this episode. There was always like a potential where she would be like this avatar for Khonshu. I didn't necessarily see that she was going to be the avatar for Tawaret. I kind of like that idea, but I don't like the idea of her getting in the suit. We know she's a mercenary, but she doesn't have to learn and adapt to the suit whatsoever. Mm. She all of a sudden is a professional in the suit. She knows how to use the wings. And it just made me think of like Steven. Yeah. He's a doofus, but like when he first wears the moon Knight suit, like he has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't know how to you use saw it. his character developed throughout There's the show. A, you didn't see hers develop right. at all. And like, we get it. She's a mercenary, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean like she can all of a sudden become the Falcon out of nowhere. You know, it's just, that doesn't yeah. make sense to me. All of a sudden she can fly. I'm like, what are we doing right now? It's cool that she can deflect like the bullets and everything, but like, how does she know how to do that? It just makes me think that would have been perfect. I would have loved it if Layla just remained herself and help take out these bad guys, these thugs, while you leave Arthur Harrow to Moon Knight. And then at the end, she takes on the Avatar of Tawaret. That would have made more sense to me. You didn't need two superheroes to take. You already had Khonshu fighting another god. And you had Moon Knight, who, obviously, who honestly is probably just as powerful as Arthur Harrow. It's just you didn't need that extra person. But it was just Marvel thinking about the future, thinking about like this love type story with two superheroes it's like too juicy for them to um let go and also the fact that she's an egyptian superhero you yes. hear the line yeah. you don't you hear the line are you an egyptian superhero i believe they're speaking in arabic i'm not really sure but she responds saying i am i'm like girl you just started wearing that <laughs> 10 suit. minutes ago are you kidding me you're calling yourself a superhero yeah, i rolled my like, eyes at also that it's the fact like there could have been a different conversation. It was so overt. It was so Disney where it's like, look at us. Mm. We, we, we have a, we We're have an heroes. Egyptian superhero. Look how diverse we are. We're the best. New Avengers. New Avengers. Like, we're going to have this person just like, you could tell, like, you know, like, it's, like you tell in this episode, that's very cultural to like Egypt. Like you could tell by the downtown Cairo and everything going on there. It was already there. So like you didn't have to say that overtly. But uh, what do you think about Layla becoming a superhero in the middle of this episode? I had the same thoughts as you, um, but I do think like I like ex same exact thoughts. Except I will just echo again. I thought she was awesome when she did have the wings. Again, how she it's already cool. developed those skills, I'm, I'm, I don't know how. It was pretty right sick. It was pretty sick. But I totally agree. Um, I'm glad that we switched sides because now, like, I don't know. I finally got what I wanted to an extent. But now I'm like at the back of, at the end of the day, I didn't get everything I wanted, but I got the action sequences because. We're talking about mercenaries. I want to see some John Wick sh like stuff, right? Right. I want to see like, and we got that. I got those vibes. Like when uh -huh. when uh, Mark, when it would go from Mark to Steven, from Miss from Moon Knight to Mister Knight, I was like, oh, he's in the suit, and he has, and he's like killing people. I'm like, that's literally like what a boogeyman would do. Like that's what an assassin would do, dressed up in a suit, killing people. Like that's awesome. And right. I, again, like Layla, like I know your question was around Layla. It's okay. I think we'll again, talk about the action sequences now. I like that. Yeah, the action sequences are great. Acting tough. 
some stuff that was over or could have just been explained through their actions, not through the script um, stat dialogue. I mean, just, I think at the end of the day, like her character wasn't as bad as like, like I mentioned before, like, uh, like, cause I got, remember in the beginning of the series, I had vibes of winter Sol- Falcon and winter soldier, the villain in that with Layla gone, gone, even though with the act, it wasn't great. It's still like, overall as a show layla better than that character i can't remember her name exactly no i'm 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 in the same boat and i'm just i'm hung up on the i'm an egyptian superhero line just so because cringy because that's also so marvel like it's so marvel loves to like take moments where you can like look up a highlight and you can see it it's almost like someone hits a home run in a baseball game without watching the full <laughs> game right it's like you're watching sc top 10 like that moment oh i'm an egyptian superhero like it's for like drop. the trailer or whatever right like, it just felt yeah. so like yeah that's going to be put on a, on a twitter clip later you know it just felt it was like you know mc loves their moments here come the opening portals and here come the heroes oh here comes the egyptian superhero that calls himself an egyptian superhero but the action sequences were really good in terms of on the ground combat i love the switching of the suits um i liked very cool so some people were complaining that steven like is too good at fighting but i think they established at the end of the fifth episode that he's able to fight and they said that he recognizes like he is me like i am mark right steven is mark and marcus steven they've recognized they share the same body they're capable of the same things although they just have different identities right so i was perfectly fine with they established that i was perfectly okay with him like and i love to see the growth of the character him like being comfortable with the suit and he looks amazing this i love the whites the, the the actual tie suit and everything i thought i think it's just as good as like the actual hooded superhero classic look you Ooh. know i love it so cool yeah, so that was uh, I like that. Um, Can we also just talk about for a second? Now we're talking about avatars here. Uh-huh. Like, why do Mark and Layla just dictate now if they are going to be the avatars or not? Yeah, I was going to say like like why did they get to decide? That's the whole point. They yeah, got I saved they, or they quote, took unquote. advantage. Like it was like it was about taking advantage of Mark at that moment. He was going to die unless he took over. But the same thing with Tawaret a little bit like it felt it felt like she had to become the avatar for Tawara or else she was gonna die but like with that she's like literally immediately she goes i'm only gonna do it for today i'm like what do you get to decide yeah like, what are we doing here like mark is going through like the most mental stress of any like superhero of all time <laughs> they're just like yeah like she could just choose whenever she wants to do it or not yeah like she, that's off <laughs> yeah and now um, you call yourself a superhero uh, 10 minutes later when you said that you're not going to be a superhero tomorrow? Oh, okay. Uh, I, another satisfying moment of this episode, I will say, is when like the avatar of the gods that were in the pyramid just get murked by Arthur Harrow and, That's a, oh. um, and Amit. I love that because they deserve it. They deserved it. After the way in that, terrible. The, one of the worst trial scenes in the history of not even just TV shows, in like the history of like courtroom scenes, just having that moment where they automatically took Arthur Harrow's side, even though it was unexplained why he was there in the first place. And like, oh my God, he released Amit? Are you kidding me? We did not see that coming. And before like, before he's even die. in the room. All of you should die. Before he even's in the room, they go, it has to be Harrow. And I was just like, what do you mean? You don't even know what's going on. It might just be an earthquake. Like, what are you talking about? And the, the fact gods they, in this? Awful. Yeah, awful. The, fa- the fact that they knew. 
<laughs> the fact that they knew it was Harrow, it just goes like, well, what the hell were you doing during the courtroom scene? You knew it was him. <laughs> you know it's him. Like, how the hell are you just okay with him and leaving at that point just to release Amit? That was so clear. Um, like, there were so many things like that. And, like, how did Layla find Concho? Like, there's so many of those effing statues that look the same. Well, like, it looks like Concho, like the, the statue. But there's so many of them. Yeah, I don't like, know. Like, you would have to go it one by one. It did take her some one. time. It didn't, like, a... she, it's not like she, like, walked up to the wall and grabbed the first one. Yeah. It's like they showed her. Oh, like, she probably went on a little bit of a what, All I'm trying to say is that this show throughout, I gave it the benefit of the doubt with a lot of this. But now the season finale, it's like, all right, like, wrap up some stuff. Throughout the time, it had things like that. They just sped up or edited through. Like, they jumped to conclusions. Like, they jumped to conclusions for a lot of things. And that's just one of the things I was talking about. The gods, another thing. Like, a bunch of other things that happened in this show that I was just unimpressed with. And at the end of the day, I still very much enjoyed this show. I just thought, like, for a show that was not supposed to be Marvel-fied, supposed to be a grounded show with these, like, Oscar-nominated actors or these big-time Hollywood actors, like, not supposed to be in comic book stuff as an Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. I just expected more out of these writers to get more out of this show with these high-level actors, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but I think it just showed how hard of a role Oscar Isaac had compared to like everybody else. Um, and I, I thought Ethan Hawke was underutilized in this finale. It was just like him fighting for the most of it. Like, oh, can we? I, I mentioned the sunglasses, but when he's fighting or like you know fighting in quotes, he is dripping in sweat. <laughs> he's he is working dripping. it. He is working. It's hot in Cairo. <laughs> it is it was, hot in Cairo. He is dripping. Like, oh my lord. So I feel like. Um, because it was a pretty simplistic final episode, except we do need to talk about the finale and we do need to talk about the post-credit teaser. Mm-hmm. So we have Arthur Harrow who's staying in this like mental asylum similar to what Mark was like apparently residing in in the underworld. And then at the end, a man takes a wheelchair, escorts uh, Arthur Harrow outside, puts him in a white limo. Who's sitting in the white limo? A dapper-looking Conchu. Some people were like making jokes online that it looks like Kanchi was gonna like murder Arthur Harrow, then head to Max. I was like, Mechella. is this gonna be the kingpin? Yeah, I was, uh, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> Wouldn't make sense, but be kind of cool. <laughs> but uh eventually Kanchu says, like uh Steven or Mark uh isn't fully away from him yet, even though Mark has apparently and Steven have agreed that they don't want to be the avatar anymore. And now that Layla is has someone else's avatar, like they're free to go. But little do we know there – well, you kind of already did know. There was a third personality, uh, Jake Lockley, turns around wearing a scully cap, and then uh, Oscar Isaac with a thick Spanish accent turns around, snipes Arthur Harrow, and kills him. So it looks like Ethan Hawke will not be returning in the future. But Good. when you think about this post-credit and leaving this Jake Lockley story all the way to the post-credit. I thought the post-credit was good. I, I It's – it finally gave us some closure. But again, like in the core of the fight, like when they defeat Harrow, we don't even get to see Moon Knight defeat Harrow because of this, this post credit finale. Like, no, let's just introduce Jake Lockley right there. Two episodes before, right there, even. And then just show us go to town on these people. Like, this has to imply a next season because if we never see Jake Lockley like do his thing here, like, I will be incredibly disappointed, in- including. A potential ratings downgrade. Yes, I, I said under, it. I don't understand. Like, I get it. Like, you want to have that post-credit moment. 
but you can't show Jake Lockley in that moment. You're not going to show Moon Knight take down the bad guy that has lasted Ugh. six episodes. Disappointing. I, when, when they did that, and Layla's like, what? What the hell was that? And I was like, we have the, we have the same thoughts. We've been thinking this <laughs> every episode. Every episode. What the hell was that? We know who it is, but why do you not show it every time? You know? Like, that moment was crucial because that would have been the moment to show Jake Lockley for the first time and how he is ruthless he's willing to do whatever it takes to take down evil okay even if it means killing right yeah obviously. and like the thing the things i like out of this character throughout is that like obviously Kanchu been using this guy when he's desperate right like if you think back of all the times when they've done these fast forward edits through the fights it's all it's about it's when mark is about to die or he's in a tough spot or like he needs to like steven's like not letting him do something and like in the first episode when he has the scarab and like he's just not getting out of the town and then all of a sudden he just kills like six people and we don't see it right so stuff like that and i just think that to leave this to the finale is just i talk about fan service and they did that they tried to do this in this episode and in part they did more so than any other one correct but this is the thing I think they could have done that would have been still within the bounds of this is not your normal MC, like you're not marvelifying it because it's another identity. It goes with the theme of the show. But now I'm nervous is that, okay, let's say they do do a season two. Is season two just going to be the same thing, but Steven and Mark trying to like figure out Jake Lockley, just like Mark and Steven are trying to figure out each other. It's going to be the same thing. Just I with think they're going to go against one another. I think it's because like they, they, they're setting up Conchu as well, very much like looking like that, like a villain Dylan. type figure with Jake Lockley. So it's going to, I think it's going to be like a Conchu and Jake versus Steven and Mark. I think that's going to be something that's going to be on the table because they're obviously they're portraying them as very villainous figures, even by killing the villain of the, of, of the whole series. Yeah, at for the sure. End. No, you're right. You're right. I think I think you're exactly right now that you said that. That's a good point. Um, but they, yeah. get, they, they haven't even introduced the, his main his main adversary. I believe is the Bushman, I think, is the Moon Knight's main yes, adversary. Yes, I think you're right. Uh, I was going to say Bishop, but I think it's the Bushman. Uh, I'll do some research in a second. But it'd be interesting who goes against Oscar Isaac there. But it seems like if we're going – we'll get to our predictions like for the future of this character. But it seems like Oscar Isaac is going to have his hands full once again with these two personalities – possibly playing the hero and the villain of an MCU show a la Stephen Strange and Doctor Strange yes. in the Multiverse of yes. Madness. Very cool. And I did think, because when, when I was talking about leaps, like taking leaps back with the Lalo thing, sorry to back check for a second here. Another thing that pissed me off is like, they took leaps with like the Egyptian stuff. And like, like when they were doing that spell at the end, how did Mark and Layla just know that spell? That's what I was that, thinking too. <laughs> like what? What are we doing? They're not wizards. They're not Doctor Strange. I would, like, I would, I would somewhat believe it if Stephen was the one saying it. But they weren't doing anything before <laughs> that moment, and any in any of the six episodes. Like, what I was like, are do they, they sing doing? this? I was like, and, do they sing this song like on Christmas? Is it like them yeah. around like or the like, table singing even like, like, like prayer? And then even in like in the underworld, like when he's just going room to room, like it's next door. But like then all of a sudden he's back in the sand or whatever. Like I, that. I'm not even going to try to figure that out, but that was also taking some leaps there. But that's basically, those are just a couple more examples of what I was just trying to get at earlier. But yeah, back to Jake Lockley, completely agree with you. Next season will be interesting, whether they introduce the big bad or focus just on Jake Lockley as the big bad for season two, and then maybe a season three or movie with what you were saying. 
So yeah, that's I think that's where I want to go next is what do you think is going to happen? Do you think we're going to get a team up, maybe an appearance of Moon Knight in another show? Do you think we're going to get a season two? Do you think we're going to get a appearance in a movie or maybe a star of the movie? What is next for this Marvel MCU character? Well, I think what with the post credit scene, he has to have his own something else. That's just that's setting up clearly. I don't think this is a miniseries it. anymore. And also, it said season finale, not series finale. Correct. You know? Correct. So I think for sure we're going to get something based on that post credit scene alone. The problem is when you have new seasons of television, what do you usually see? You see new characters, new actors come to the play, right? So we can't just have Jake Lockley being the big bad, just have him Mark, like doing the Oscar Isaac versus Oscar Isaac. Like look at Wanda, uh, Doctor Strange too. He's going against himself, but what do you have? You have Wanda coming in, Monica Rambeau. And we talked about the cameos in the predictions pod episode 98. Take a listen. So what I'm trying to say is who's going to come in here to help him out? And I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Is there like a like a therapist type situation, perhaps get in like a different like a MCU hero or character in the comics that was a therapist, not a, like a not like a doctor, doctor, like Doctor Strange, but like a therapist that was a doctor, something like that, perhaps. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Or you just get the big bad in or a side villain, bring them in, new actor, refresh. Well, I, I think of like Kit Harrington's Black Knight. I think that's going to be a logical place to go because well, what about Blade movie? The, Blade movie comes out next year. He's probably you know, in that. I, no. Yeah, and like thinking of Blade in that sense too, because he was involved with the Ebony Blade. You know, it's like this ancient type of uh, weapon that's being used, an ancient type of hero that has like I don't know if it's the gods that like he uh, connects with and gives him his powers, but it seems like he gets his powers from some sort of tomb. Just lines up well with Moon Knight. Those type of characters. I can see that happening. I do think there's not going to be a second season. It's going to be a movie. Like I, I'm, I'm confident in this. At the end of Loki, it said season two of Loki. That was like one of the post credits. There's going to be mm. a season two. Loki is perfect for a TV show. It's not an, it's not a major Marvel character. It's an anti-hero of sorts. Tom Hiddleston seems like an actor that lines up with TV very well, rather than as a leading man. It seems like he already had his opportunity as a leading man, to be honest. Like he's not he, like there was even like talks like years ago that he was going to be the next James Bond. To me, that's way off the table. He's older now. It seems like he is going to be just a supporting character in in like a blockbuster movie, or he's just going to be Loki, have his TV show. Well, he has a TV show coming out on Apple TV on Apple Plus. TV. True, yeah. but Oscar Isaac is not a TV star. Right. Yeah. And I think they're going to capitalize on this. I think they're waiting to see like the true fan reaction to this series and then assess where does he go next? Does he, is it a team up movie of sorts or is it a, a, a joint on his own? But I do think there won't be a second season. They would have said like season two is on the way. Judging by that finale, we're going to see him. And they would have said like season two is on the way. I think they're just actually confident he's going to do well on the big screen. I think I think that's a good rationale. The only thing I'll just push back on you, play a little devil's advocate, is that hey, like Oscar Isaac's a movie star and he has a lot of other things on his plate and aspirations other than Moon Knight. This was just on the side. You know what I mean? So that's why you could just say, like, oh, like we'll put this post credit finale uh, scene here, but no promises. It's not big enough to say, Oh my god, there has to be a season two. Like fans aren't gonna be like Oh my God! You can't leave us on that cliffhanger. No, no, no. It's just, that's not big enough for that. So if Oscar Isaac says no, I'm done. Like I signed my one season deal. Like I'm not gonna re up. 
I'm done. Then, yeah, they leave it open. So I think just like looking back, I do see your point, but I do see like also like, hey, they killed off Ethan Hawke. Why? Probably because he has other aspirations. Oscar Isaac still, he hasn't confirmed anything, even on his press tours this week. Nothing about a season two, nothing about a movie. He wants to be a movie star. And I, I still think he wants an Academy Award. I, I still wholeheartedly he's young. Think, he's young. Yeah, he's way too young to be doing like to be hung up in this. And Star hey, Wars, think, Dune, MCU, and then he does like all these others, all these other like critically right, so acclaimed, prestigious. I think movies. that's that's also a reason why they didn't do like oh season two. I think that we could see like in like a month or two, but like oh season two confirmed or oh a rumor from Justin Kroll Moon Knight uh, movie coming. <laughs> Shout out Jay Kroll. Yeah. Did you see his tweet today? No. So he tweeted out last night. Sorry, it was last night. He tweeted out last night saying he was going to see Top Gun Maverick. Now, I don't know if this was like a pic, and it showed a picture of his tickets, but like I didn't see a date. But I didn't see like if that was like, well, I couldn't tell if like he actually saw it last night or he saw it earlier because then his next tweet was, I think I just saw a Best Picture nominee for next, my first Best Picture nominee. I saw that year. tweet too. That was from a couple days ago, correct? Yeah, like so. I think he's so talking I, about Top Gun. I think here. he's Top Gun's te- reviews are insane right now. He's teasing us to want to say Top Gun too, and he saw something else. That's no, he's not the up. only one I've seen say. No, that but I've seen other Top Gun. I'm, I've seen other Top Gun reviews, and I, I've heard rumor. Also, a lot of comment sections. Tom Cruise is phenomenal. In Top Gun. <laughs> Tom, Tom Cruise coming for that Oscar. I heard Tom, Top Gun too. He, what? He won't get an Oscar, but if he gets nominated for a May movie, then he is so back. I, I would just cancel all the Mission Impossibles. Get me a Rain Man 2. Get me something. <laughs> get him sequels to all his great movies. Give me, oh my God. Movies. Can we imagine, oh, Dr. Cafferty in the courtroom? Older oh, yeah. Cap. Oh my Lord. Like, That's that good. would be a sight to see. Kevin Bacon come back. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Going to visit Jack Nicholson of prison? Like, oh, all right, I'm done. But you got a little ahead of yourself there. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> no, I would I'm like excited. to see his character from Magnolia 20 years later. I would like to see that a lot. He's like a priest. Yeah. Like just total character transformation, or he's just like all like he just fell off the wagon, just complete alcoholic, you know, doesn't live <laughs> right. I could see that. Um, before we sign off for this recapping, head into our draft. I do want to get a ranking of the MCU live action shows from you, Ricky Flips. Oof. Okay. You can start off with one. five, four, three. Oh, Loki. Okay. You start off with number one. That's cool. Because it's easy. It's easy. Loki's number one. Okay. I do think Moon Knight's better than WandaVision. I do. I think Oscar Isaac's performance is the best performance in any of these shows. It has to be number two. And I think default. WandaVision is better than Falcon and Hawkeye. Hawkeye. So that has to be number three. I think those three are the top three and you can't like change my mind about it. If you want to put them in different orders, sure. But I definitely think Loki's number one and then the other two are solidified as either two and three. What's your four or five? Four five. I hate to say it, but I think I might go Hawkeye four. That's what I have. I have Hawkeye. Hawkeye I enjoy problems. Falcon had some script screenwriting problems, like serious. Uh, The best part about Falcon, the Winter Soldier, though, 
Wyatt Russell. He honestly was the best part of that show. He's oh my there. god, Doctor! I watched un- episode three of Under the Banner I of Heaven. I started watching it. No spoilers. Wyatt Russell is an animal. <laughs> this he's, guy is so good at Falcon the Winter Soldier. I loved guy, him in that show. Let me tell you about a guy who's <laughs> just—he's waiting to break out. He's waiting. I'm telling you, I. I was. Did, so, did I'm we so waste so him? Far. Did we waste him in Falcon the Winter Soldier? Should he be headlining as an MCU hero? <laughs> I, I think he should get out of the MCU. I think what? Honestly, he's We're already just starting to see him. But like, I think that's just going to dilute his brand. Mm-hmm. Get out. Get into an A24 indie movie. Like, get out of it. I think he just gets out. He's not a major MCU star. Get out of it. Wow. But I, I, I had this. I have the same exact list. I feel like Moon Knight and WandaVision are very similar. They're very unique to most Marvel properties, but their finales both didn't hit, at least in my eyes. Finales didn't hit, and they were they were the weakest part of you of every ep- of all the episodes. You look at them as a complete whole, right? That last part of it doesn't hit the same as the rest of the season. And Loki had like the implications for Loki were so big, and they introduced you to a huge new character. Going and the finale hit, and it was unorthodox. It was just a conversation. It wasn't a huge CGI fight. It had stakes, the largest of stakes out of any MCU show so far. Incredible. Loki was great. I would, I would like to rewatch Loki soon enough. And uh, has a great supporting performance by Owen Wilson and speak uh, as Mobius, which helps lead into our supporting characters draft for the MCU. So that's going to do it for Moon Knight. If you haven't seen this finale and you listen to this podcast, I don't know what you just did, right? <laughs> but we're now going to move on to this side character draft. Take two. All right, Ricky Flex. It's an MCU week here on the Driving Podcast. Is MCU World and MC, MCU Week in America? Is it MCU Week? worldwide we have moon knight finale we got doctor strange in the multiverse of madness a major mcu release following spider-man no way home in theaters only so we decided we're going to do a side characters draft so with this draft me and ricky flicks we have to set some boundaries what can and what cannot be drafted what classifies as a supporting character so ricky flicks what is your idea of a supporting a side character in this draft Side character. I was just thinking someone that's just not a hero, like someone that's not a major storyline. You know? Okay. Major, not a major like, storyline. Not the first, here's what not I, the, like, I don't know. Here's I, like, what I'm saying. Here's my definition. You cannot be a lead in a superhero movie, any MCU obviously. movie, female or male. You can't be a part of a superhero team. Okay. What does that mean? So like Guardians of the Galaxy, you can't take Drax. Oh, yeah, you can't yeah, take yeah. Mantis. Like they're, they're, one. Are, they're in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think anybody else except we should also clarify Nick Fury is off the table because he's going to be starring in his own MCU series, even though he's not a superhero for Secret Invasion. So he's off the table. But I feel like everyone else should be on. Okay, I think I think we're gonna go two separate ways here. And so I'm really oh, no. interested here. Um I yeah. can go non-superheroes only if you want. Like 
I don't even know like who you're thinking. Like because like I feel like you're just gonna pick someone that's like big. Not well, like big big, I, but like I am. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. I, I, I kinda mm-hmm. wanna tease a pick. Why don't you flip the coin to use going first? And then we will ride. And then we'll kind of figure this out as we go. And we'll veto if we have to. Heads or tails. Ricky shows the coin. I go tails never fails. It's tails. Second. I want the second pick. It's <laughs> ridiculous. I never win these. Fine. Um, All right. I get so to go first. I, I guess we go like, man, I guess. I want to give an example, but I don't want to say I'll it. I'll give you an example of who I'm thinking of. My Go. first overall pick is Korg. That would have been my first overall pick. That's a great first pick. The Sikarian champion. Taika Watidis entered the entered the chat, the MCU chat. The rebellion is on. Okay? The revolution is on. He's the most unique aspect of the MCU, if you think about it. Really is. And him and his boy Meek. I'm not, I, you're not, I know you're not going to pick him, but I think they are the most unique aspect. This guy's a bunch of rocks. His name's Cork. The director is putting on his touches more so than we've seen, except with Guardians of the Galaxy, I would say, and Thor, and Thor Ragnarok, and himself having a role, a, you know, side role in the movie. So I'm going Cork and Infinity War, let's not forget Fortnite. You had to get Thor to Endgame. help, or Endgame, sorry, to help uh, fend off some bullies over Fortnite. So, Korg is my is the one one pick here for me. I had him as my number one overall selection as well. It's a good pick. I think he qualifies for this draft. He is the definition of a side character. Doesn't matter if he has superheroes. He is not alongside Thor for most of the ride. He is comic relief, and I think he is the definition of a scene stealer within the MCU. I think as a side character, I don't think any other character, the crowd goes, oh my God, let's go. Then another, like no other side character has that effect. And him and Ragnarok, he helped bring that new vibe to Thor movies. And then also him and Endgame, it also like helps show where Thor's at in his life. He's also a ride or die with Thor, which I respect. Ride or die. And I like that he seems like he's going to have an increased role in Thor Love and Thunder, which is what we want to see. Did you see, yeah. um, I was going to say, did you see that, this is ta- tangent, Thor Love and Thunder, Taika Waititi says Christian Bale is going to be the best villain the MCU's ever seen. I, I don't doubt him. That is awesome. And like, <laughs> if you think about like the MCU villains, like if we, if we are just peeling back here, we did a whole draft of it. Like it would be tough to crack the top three. MCU, we're talking about MCU. Like Thanos, Loki. Thanos, Loki. Like, I, Christian Bale is the best actor out of all of them. And yep. with Taika Waititi, like, yeah, I could easily see that. But no, Korg's my pick here. Um, you mentioned the scene stealer. Like, the guy was in a freaking free guy trailer for a trailer with Deadpool. Like, that just shows how much of a part of the culture he is and the scene stealer is. So that had to be a blessing from Kevin Feige as well. It's not like they would just do that on their own, you know? Right. Never. They would have to have a creative director like that, which they haven't really had except James Gunn, but he's not doing that really. He had his brother in the movie, and that's it. So, Court, first overall pick. Good pick. All right. I'm going to follow you up by someone that doesn't have any superhero powers whatsoever, has never been a superhero, never even been teased of a superhero, but he's also the definition of a ride or die. This guy has appeared in 
three, I want to say at least six MCU movies. He has been there since 2008, and he happened to direct the first ever movie in 2008. I'm taking Happy Hogan with my first round pick, second overall. Uh, talk about comedic relief for the Iron Man movies. You can't have an Iron Man movie without Happy Hogan. And now all of a sudden, well, now you can't, but you couldn't have the initial trilogy of Spider-Man movies without Happy Hogan. He is integral to two of the most important heroes in the history of Marvel with Iron Man and Spider-Man. And um, even with like his backseat that he takes in Spider-Man No Way Home, and he kind of, it's kind of like a sad to see where his character's at. He still provides that comedic relief and he does his job, but he also has the heartfelt moments when he visits uh, Aunt May's grave at the end of No Way Home. And then you have the moments where he is sitting with Tony Stark's daughter with the cheeseburger moment. Oh my God, this brings me to tears just thinking about it. And uh, I mm-hmm. hope we get to see him at some point again in the MCU. Although I think it looks uh, grim that we ever will. So I'm taking Happy yeah, Hogan. Spider-Man. Spider-Man franchise with Tom Holland, I think. But at the same sure. time, that he doesn't remember who Peter Parker yeah, is. Yeah, but I think that might be one of the first people he goes to. That'd be to, cool. Because he could easily convince him that he knows him. He's got some I, tech that maybe Peter Parker doesn't have anymore, might need some help of some sort. Uh, but yeah, Happy Hogan, integral to the Iron Man and Spider-Man franchise is my first round pick. Thoughts? Great pick. I had a second round, second round grade on him. Uh, he's turned a little bit annoying with Aunt May. And he's kind of taking a turn a little bit, but still great. Still great. And like you said, I think Iron Man 08. I saw a picture of Iron Man 08, by the way, because it was the anniversary uh, this week. And it was a picture of Happy as well. My God, John Favreau looked so much skinnier back then. And he had the long hair like he did in No Way Home in that picture, that throwback picture. No, no, no. not not, (laughs) We're not talking swingers. We're not talking about swingers skinny or anything like that. But uh, I was like, dang, like. He's it's, it's old. We're old. But I um, see no. no way home early on where he's like, yeah, oh, at least they picked a nice picture. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, like the report RDJ. He gave us RDJ. Robert Downey Jr. He gave us him. He's Without like, him, he we was won't Alfred. Have the MCU he was his really. Alfred. That wasn't like that. Like, I know you yeah. got like, obviously, vi- like a, what's his face? Not vision. What was his name? The robot Jarvis. No, picks. So like Jarvis is technically the butler, but like who's the actual person? Like oh, I know. Ha- happy, happy. He's just not telling him, but he's like that person to lean on for Tony Stark. He was Alfred in that regard, the emotional Alfred. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Good pick. All right, uh, just kicking off the second round. It's gonna be me. Uh, so I thought Korg for us. That's like a no doubt knockout first round, first overall pick. I think. Happy Hogan was up there. This was where it gets interesting because I don't know if you're going to have this. My third overall pick here is going to be Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my God. This is exactly what I was saying. He is not a a main villain. He's not a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I am not. No, I'm not doing this. I think that opens up so many people. Does it? Yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. In Who the else beginning. does it open up, Ricky? Oh, a lot. What are you talking about? I, like, the whole, like, I got one other guess, guy who's similar to Yondu, sort of. I know who you're thinking of now. And sort he's on, he was on my board if we were doing this and others. Why can't Yondu be a pick here? Because Explain he's basically it. another ga- ga- a guardian. He he's not a is. guardian. No, but like, my point is he basically is so significant. He is. We're talking about Happy Hogan versus Yondu. 
It's dude, it's the MCU. We don't just span guys galaxies. We spend people in a second with this. Ricky, if this was just Guardians One, he would be just a side character. Fine. If you want to do this, fine. If we're doing this, fine. But I was thinking very low key. Fine. I can just veto it then. Just say veto, and then I'll choose the next guy. No, no, I'm gonna choose a guy after. No, I I don't want to do this if it's gonna mess up the entire draft. I don't want to be the guy who ruins the integrity of it. If this is not what you envision, you want to do strictly no powers. But like Korg is also like he's a rocks. So Yondu is a blue man who can shoot an arrow. It's he's insane at it. Doesn't mean he's like. He's not a hero, but he's also not a villain. He's a All side right. character. Keep it. I think Jan. I think that's an appropriate. It'll make guy. the draft more interesting. Keep it. Okay. I'm going to go Yandu. Okay. Uh, I feel like without Guardians of the Galaxy 2, this would not be a pick. Uh, it's because of his arc in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, his relationship with Peter Quill, uh, basically being surrogate father to Peter Quill after Kurt Russell is revealed to be an egomaniac who wants to take over the entire universe. So, and a celestial. So that's why I got Yondu. And I think it's, I think the Mary Poppins lines hits every time. <laughs> him on, him basically flying down saying he's goddamn Mary Poppins is all time. Uh, I liked his, the best scene probably with him is when he breaks out of prison, out of the jail, right? From the Ravager, Ravagers with Groot and Rocket. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Second movie gets his redemption right. Um, it grew with us as an audience member. Um, the I'm Mary, Mary Poppins, y'all, iconic scene. Um, it's the sacrifice, obviously, saying, I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy. Like Michael Rooker, like uh, awesome. And you could see James Gunn loved him because he made him a significant part in the second movie. And then he was barely in the suicide. The suicide. Spoiler movie. alert. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Good pick. All right. All right. Your second round pick. Let's Just because you picked that, I'm picking this. I'm picking the guy that loves tuna fish sandwiches, and I'm picking Wong. Yeah, I had him on my list too. All right. If, if that, going... that was that Ricky, that was my other guy like him. Everybody else is pretty even keel after this. There's I'm thinking of others that could be picked here. My next guy won't be like this, but I mentioned the tuna. Had the comedic relief in Affinity War. He didn't have any money. Invited to Tony Stark's wedding, right? But then he becomes Sorcerer Supreme. And I think he becomes a central part in this movie coming out. I think that he will not be allowed in this draft based on these new, based on these standards that we're setting right now after we see this movie tomorrow night. So I'm picking him now because I'll never be able to pick up again. Wong. Ricky, he falls in line with the criteria of he's technically not really a, he's not a lead super superhero. He's not a part of a superhero team. You could say he is a team with Dr. Strange. But a lot of times Dr. Strange is doing stuff on his own and Wong's only there for the beginning, right? Even talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Wong's there for five seconds and leaves. Infinity War, he's there for five seconds and leaves. Endgame only shows up for the final battle. Like he's not in these movies for a substantial amount of time. I think he perfectly qualifies for this uh, even more so. I know. I'm just thinking he has abilities. So why does that? But they they live. They this is the MCU. People have powers. Well, right. Okay. The first two picks, like, just show, like, oh, be my. I mean, my pick, Happy Hogan, shows that like you don't have to have powers to be an elite character. Just a part part of the deal when you're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. All right. Well, my third pick here. I think it's going to be a stretch, but I want him on my board. 
Um, there's other people I have higher up on my board, but I want this person because we've mentioned him on the podcast here, and it's another person having a renaissance right now, and that's Mobius and Mobius. Perfectly fine pick. I was going to take Owen Wilson. He's coming back. Loki, great show. I've been we've been talking about it forever. I've been praising Loki throughout this Moon Knight series that we've been doing. Turns out, jet skis can be a tool to for the, for an audience to get sympathetic and emotional with the character. And it's a joke, but in all honesty, it's true. Like you really grew with this character throughout. We weren't sure how this show Loki was going to be. We weren't sure how the implications for the MCU. And I think that Mobius and Mobius really carried this show for the audience. Loki obviously is the lead character. And honestly, Sylvie is the other lead character. If I really had to say in the back half of the series, uh, two thirds. She wouldn't count. Through. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is Mobius is the heart and soul of that series. Owen Wilson's back. I want it on my board. It might be high. I had a next round grade for it, but I don't think I would get it back. So I'm picking it now. Mobius and Mobius. I had it my seven overall. I had Mobius as my seven overall. So it's pretty, it's a, it's a good spot for it. And uh, Owen Wilson, there's excitement just for him to be in the MCU uh, he didn't have to change too much to be a part of it. He's already a very likable guy as it is, just applying himself to the MCU and just saying this dude loves jet skis. That he definitely qualifies. Like he's perfect, I think, for this draft. It was made for Mobius. Good pick. Um, now it's my third round pick. This is tough because this person is not a lead, but I can see him having a substantial role in the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But at this point, I would call, qualify him as a side character. And he has a belonging to Wakanda. And that is the what I hope is the successor to T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman. I'm going with M'Baku as the next pick. So this, I think, is a, one of those controversial ones because you see him... You see him in Endgame, or you see him in Infinity War, all right, join the fight. You see him in Endgame. He is the guy who helps out T'Challa in Black Panther. I think in Winston Duke, his star his star power is rising right now after his appearance in Jordan Peele's Us. Uh, I think he's got a lot ahead of him, and I think he's going to have a successful career from here on out. I can honestly see him as the next Black Panther. But I like his savagery. He's like a human gorilla out there. He's like, this feels like he's like a force that's unstoppable. And uh, I think, and he has like that type of pride and I can see like he's that outside tribe from Wakanda and they're trying to accept everybody. I can see in Wakanda forever. He takes a central role to the movie. So Mbaku. Yeah. He's another one where next movie in Wakanda forever, he will not be eligible. This guy, I, again, this is another, like, this is like right on the border pick, I would say, but he has no superpowers. So I think it's fine. Or he has no super element abilities, is what I'm trying to say. And you mentioned Winston Duke. This man, we mentioned us, and he did. I think there's a purpose why he wasn't. He was in Infinity War because he kind of helped T'Challa get back in Black Panther. By the way, Black Panther, like that movie, like I haven't seen that in a while, but that feels like it was so long ago. But it was only like four or five years, four years ago. It's crazy. But um, no, like I think Winston Duke is a star on the rise. I think he will be a huge part in Wakanda forever going forward with another character. And yeah, and I, I think it's a good pick. 
for where okay. it is, not was it six overall? Yeah, it's fine. Did you have him on your big board? I was not going to pick him. He was a little too big. Uh, like I, 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 I now I, I'm thinking my, with, my, with T'Challa. It's like, yeah. My next pick is going to be very much in line with our original thoughts on this draft. My next pick's Agent Coulson. Damn it, that's who I, I, I wanted to pick third, but I picked. I thought I could might squeeze him in later. People, people that are OG Marvel fans, they remember Coulson, right? With Shield, beginning right, two thousand eight. He without Coulson, we don't get the Avengers. Nick Fury's right hand man appears in Captain Marvel. He appears in uh the avengers obviously meets his demise unfortunately you see him in uh iron man you see him in iron man 2 you see him in thor i believe you see i don't think you see him in incredible hulk but without him he is a gel he's the gel that keeps the original avengers together and he provides motivation for them and specifically for captain america uh he's a fanboy at heart like most other mcu fans and uh, he's low-key kind of badass for a nerd. And that's what I like about him. And he's fearless, and he's willing to stand up to evil gods like Loki, the god of mischief. Um, I was glad that we got him for Captain Marvel, although I didn't like that movie at all. And he even got a second life on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I've never seen a single episode of. But Agent Coulson, I think I'm getting a steal at the beginning of the fourth round. Yeah, this is a steal. I had a second-round grade on him. So wow, <laughs> I oh pre Yandu Wong, I think it would have played out like that. So, um, again, the scene with the gun standing up to Loki, the destroyer prototype gun. Um, this is a big gun, huh? Like, like he's standing up to Loki, like you said. The trading cards, Nick Fury grabbing the blood, bloody staining uh, trading cards, slapping it on the desk in front of Captain America. Iron, um, uh, Tony Stark and the boys and Scar- Scarlett Johansson saying, you guys need to come together. And then another character who could be picked, and I won't tease, says, like, oh, you faked that, didn't you? And he goes, yeah, you faked Oh, that, I know. It. I didn't even think about her. Uh, yeah, Sorry. there you go. I actually know her name. But um, no, well, I do, board. too. I'm not going to say it. But um, no, yeah, Phil Coulson, great pick. Got his own show because of how beloved he was. Like, that. That's that shows it. Yeah. So uh, that's my beginning of the fourth round pick. So, Ricky, let's wrap up the fourth round with your pick here. I can go a lot of ways. All right, let's go back to Ragnarok. And let me go Scourge, our boy Carl Urban. Like, Carl Urban, the boys, we see this guy in Ragnarok. The boys just came out like a year earlier, two years earlier. And he, for some reason, he gets a he somehow gets in this movie. I would love to hear the backstory of how he connects with Taika or one of the actors, maybe to get in this movie. I would love to hear that background. The boys but, is after. Oh my god! This is twenty seventeen Ragnarok. That's crazy. But um, Texas, Des and Troy made his bad t- uh, the shake weight. Remember the shake weight? Um, t- he made his bad turn to be the executioner. But then comes back at the end of the day with Des and Troy and to do some damage. Um, a nice open and shut case for a character. You know, we're not he, like he, he gets his due, like he dies, you know, open and shut. And that's actually nice to see in an MCU world. And Carl Urban, like I said, like now looking back, like, holy crap, that was Carl Urban. So I love this character. 
Um, obviously, Korg was the true scene stealer of that movie, so I do think that dampers this pick. But I'm just picking my heart here and with Carl Urban. So Scourge will be my pick. And he was so bad at his job that it was awesome. <laughs> like it was, he was so bad at his job that it was funny. And that like made his character so good. And then the redemption story at the end, like that was good. And that, that was like an arc that lasted one movie in the MCU for one character. You rarely see that in the MCU. They rarely see that. So well done by Taika Waititi and the crew for Thor Ragnarok. Scourge was definitely on my list. He was on my list. Um, with that being said, you're on to the fifth round. This is tough because I could go a household side character, but I'm not. I'm going to go Trevor. Ew! From Shang-Chi. I'm going Shang-Chi, Ben Kingsley. <laughs> That's a true reaction. <laughs> Great comeback after Iron Man 3 where it was such a tragedy. And again, when you're looking at this character in Shang-Chi, you just think, what if for Iron Man 3? with the Mandarin, what if, but I'm getting past that. This is a great twist here. He was honestly one of the best parts of this movie with his sidekick, which I think I get as a, a duet pick here with Morris. Like, cause I don't think a pet would count separately. Trevor and Morris, honestly, you, were so much funnier than Aquafina in this movie. It'll be Trevor, but Morris will be in the graphic picture. Like, I really think there's a lot of other better picks here, but to say this as an honorable mention, I, I want this on the board. Just people have to remind people that this happened. This happened. Like he came back. Like Marvel acknowledged their wrongs and they brought him back to go deeper into this movie, like deeper into this like joke. I think this is like a real life redemption story because you look at Iron Man three, it seems very polarizing what they did with Trevor and the fake Mandarin. But the fact that he was so warmly recepted, and warmly received in Shang-Chi that says something about the character. And it shows like how well of a job he did and how he kind of flipped the script a little bit. And it gave him an opportunity to kind of redeem himself. I love that stuff. I don't love the picks. I think for me, I will never be able to shake Iron Man 3. I'm, I'm someone that says I, I still like, I, I would, in terms of, it's probably not a better movie, but I'd rather, I'd rather watch Iron Man 2 than Iron Man 3 again. That's how I do oh. it. Oh my God, easily. Like, yeah, no, it's not even a question. Iron Man 2 is so much better than Iron Man 3, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch both of them, and that might be in our future blockbuster battle Iron Man 2 versus <laughs> Iron Man 3. That's like, not a bad one. If they're both on like TNT, I'm not watching Iron Man 3, but I'm watching Iron Man 2. And I think I, I'm not a big guy, Pierce guy either. Like, I didn't think he was that great in that movie really corny he's uh, such an interesting uh, actor he reminds me of jamie fox in the amazing spider-man 2 in that movie damn it that's good that's a good analogy guy pierce just remind like that's what you just said about and what we talked about with the mandarin i see in guy pierce we have memento la confidential and some other uh, other roles but then we get iron man 3 and so many other mistakes that he has made and I really straight think to Amazon movies out of nowhere. He'll be, and there, then he's you know? now mayor of East Town, the love interest for Kate Winslet. Like, that kind of worthless what role. are we doing for one of the guys that probably should have an Oscar in his, in, in his cabinet? Like, terrible. So, but we're getting off track here. Trevor Slattery would be the pick. I want it just on the graphic, really. That's really why I'm picking it. And also, he was the funniest part in Shang-Chi to me. In a funny the movie. Funniest. In a funny movie. So, like, yeah, I, I respect that. I do respect that aspect. All right, so 
onto Mr. Irrelevant. And I'm going to go with a guy who is one of the funniest members of the MCU. Someone who doesn't, hasn't been in many movies, uh, but speaks faster than anyone in the history of the MCU, is one of the greatest storytellers in the MCU. Someone that might have to be redirected with his stories by one Paul Rudd. And uh, one of the characters that actually introduced Spider-Man to the MCU, if we can remember Ant-Man in 2015, I'm going Lewis. Luis. Luis. Michael Pena. Um, obviously, we need him in Quantum Mania, a key cog in the criminal under uh, the criminal organization, mini organization between him, T.I., David Dasmalchian, and Paul Rudd for Ant-Man. It's not an Ant-Man movie without Luis. Uh, he'll show up in... You there? I'm back. All right. I'm like so half away. Louis, I was going to say, I think my thing muted because you have reconnected your AirPods, but I think we're all good now. Okay. All right. Could you hear me the entire time? I heard like the first half and then it just went out. Ah, so Luis, bottom line, if, if the audience misheard it for some reason, Luis, Michael Payne is one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood. He could do it all. He could do. <laughs> what? He is. The Martian, end of watch. Okay, then he does all his comedic roles. You like, are you crazy. Just, you don't think he's one more like a very versatile actor? You're yeah, out of your mind. One, you can't you don't, the Martian. Do I wouldn't that. count as versatile. And watch. Yeah, one movie. I'm pulling up the IMDb. Hold one the movie. Phone. He's yeah. Ricky. Are you gonna bring up Shooter, where he's the goofball? Like, Ricky? what are we doing Ricky? here, Ricky. Martian? He's kind of the goofball of the crew. He's always the goofball, except in the watch. He always is. So I do think he's versatile, but one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood is a stretch. Ready? Narcos Mexico. Let's keep going. The Mule. The Mule. Not good. Not good. Ant-Man and the Wasp. A Wrinkle in Time. Lego (laughs) Ninjago. Chips. (laughs) My God, you're just proving the point here, but keep going. No, The Martian. But he's the goofball of the group. He's he's yeah, Yeah, the goofball. He's in Fury, a war movie. Yeah, which... He Again, played Cesar Chavez in an HBO film? Yeah, I saw that in theaters, and that was trash. Well, you, I don't know what you were doing. He's a gangster squad, end of watch, I Tower of Heist, movie. 30 oh. minutes or less, The oh, Lincoln weird. Lawyer. Ricky, he is diverse. You're, he people observe and report. He's in diverse movies, but he's not diverse as an actor. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I, I, well, are we going to have a Michael, Michael Pena, Pena episode guy? to debate this? No, so I like no. Million Dollar Baby? Crash? He's in good movies, dude. You're out of your mind. No, that's not what I said. You're no, as a, you're you are gone not. in 60 seconds. I'm keep I'm, I can keep going. I can no, keep going. No, what you're not understanding what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. You're saying he's the goofball <laughs> in serious movies. I get what you're saying. A lot but, of times he is. Yes, he's the lightheartedness to some movies. He's not always the goofball. You think okay, he's a goofball in the watch? Show some respect. Exactly. The man lost his life. The man lost his life. Spoiler alert. You're calling him a goofball? Yeah, I'll do a spoiler alert because you got to respect Michael Pena. I, I do I respect Michael Pena. This. You're over-respecting Michael Pena. No, I'm properly respecting him. I said he's very – I should not say he's the You said one he's of one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood. Not every. Not, not everyone can be Michael Pena. Not Christian Bale has Michael something Pena. to say. Not like, everyone can be Michael doing? Pena. <laughs> okay. I do think he's like – in, he, like, he's not a he's, superhero. I'm not saying he's the potential to be like this, whatever. This El Muerto, a, which like Bad Bunny's playing or whatever. He's not going to be El Muerto, but he right. could be a sidekick. 
Sorry. Okay. I missed a lot of what you said earlier, but what I'm just trying to say is, yes, he's in good movies. He's in some bad movies. doesn't matter. I do like Michael Pena, and I do think he's sometimes a very good actor. Sometimes he's not very good. But he's as not Luis, very good movies sometimes. That's yes, different. agreed. But good. to say he's one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood is crazy. Even though he's sometimes versatile, sometimes, what, like, most of the times he's not. Versatile supporting actors in Hollywood. That's what I would say. All right. Come on! Okay. <laughs> but to get back to Luis here. This is a great pick. I had a fifth, uh, fifth round grade on him. The stories and flashbacks. That's all you have to say. The quick talking. Oh, and then I, I was talking to this honey over here on the bench. And then, like, he's <laughs> so good. What I'm nervous here, he said, Yes, is we already are hearing TI is not going to be in the next one. Another person that was in the crew, I'm spoiling the pick because we're just talking about Mr. Irrelevant or teasing a pick. Sorry. And some other people, David Delmashane, I don't think is in the next Ant Man. So is Luis. He has to be, though. He's so big in that movie, Can't which makes him a great big Ant Man movie without him. Right. He's but then we're without his gang. Yeah, exactly. So this is a great pick. Fifth round grade for sure. I'm just a little nervous for his next role inside this franchise. I'm not nervous for it. I think he's going to step up to the plate as a very versatile actor. <laughs> so with that being said, let's go over the teams or like the draft list here. Uh, so Ricky Flicks has Korg. He has Wong. Then he has Mobius M. Mobius. Uh, Scourge. And then Trevor Slattery. Dr. Rowe has Happy Hogan. Yandu, Mbaku, Agent Coulson, and Luis. So, Ricky Flex, uh, you want to go one for one in terms of honorable mentions or what? All right. The Grandmaster. Two, two for two. Let's go two for two. The Grandmaster. This never going to pick it. I had a fifth round grade on him. I think it's Jeff Goldblum. He's turned into like a phenomena in social media and in the world here. He's had a comeback. Yeah. And I think this was like, cemented it and spearheaded it yeah and this absurd role was perfect for a weirdo like jeff goldblum and they really taika really brought that out here with the ship like the tournament the the goldblumisms and wearing the mascara and that costume like just it's it shows his persona in hollywood really so i do major villain through the first half of that movie like i would have a hard time seeing him as a side character he's more of just a villain just a low tier villain you know what i mean yeah but like how was the villain how is the villain yeah but i'm saying like just like uh two-face is the bad guy in the dark knight i wouldn't like i don't know i don't know how to describe it he's a villain now like i, I okay like, all of our picks well, none of them were villains well, because I don't consider villains to be a side character, but I think Jeff Goldblum's is more of a. I think that's like the borderline again. If you if Mbaku is a side character, I think like if based on screen time, like Goldblum would be. But um, fine, we'll get back to the side character since we're going two for two. Jimmy Woo, Jimmy Woo, that. started out in Ant Man trying to do his card tricks, and then he gets back. We get him back doing his card tricks in WandaVision. What a comeback story for Jimmy Woo and Randall Park. Bigger future ahead for the special FBI agent? I don't know, but I'm looking forward to what we see from him going forward. All right, what do you got? I'll keep going with the Thor train, uh, Heimdall and Val Valkyrie. I'll say that's Those two are right the there. two two more that were accepted after the Yondu pick, but pre-Yondu pick, I would never have picked. I wanted to pick Valkyrie more than Heimdall. I think Valkyrie is a cooler character. Heimdall 
Idris Elba's playing him, but there's no depth to him whatsoever. Like there's zero, like very little character development. They try to do something in Thor Ragnarok. It really didn't really work out. Like to me, it was just, I, I was totally okay with Idris Elba leaving the MCU at the beginning of Infinity War. Like it just, it, it, it wasn't working. Like it just get him out of there. Uh, Valkyrie, she's funny. She has a good rapport with Thor. You couldn't even tell Pino had a good rapport. He was so stern most of the time. I wouldn't even say it was good. So I think Valkyrie with Thor going bouncing back and forth. Uh, you see her and her elevating her status in the MCU. Seems like only a matter of time. Like after Thor Love and Thunder, I would not be shocked if here we hear, oh, here's the Valkyrie series uh, as the, you know, doing something, whatever, as the leader of Asgard. I would love to see like a that. flashback uh, prequel. I, I doubt that would happen, but I would. Like I know, to. but that would be like the thing I would want. But they would probably focus on like the LGBTQ aspect as well, and a bunch of other things um, moving forward with the character leading Asgard or something like that as well. So that's I, I think Valkyrie's a good pick. I would like to see her fight more, but at the end of the day, like I would take her over Heimdall too, unfortunately, because I think Heimdall had potential. Like he's be- Thor's best friend, but we barely like the only time we see him with Thor is quickly before he goes through the, the Bifrost. So it's like you didn't get any depth with, like you said. So I think that's like, like, he, like it was a mistake for Idris Elba to join the MCU at that time as Heimdall. Like it makes like he could have been so much. He like I would have loved him in like like Black Panther somehow. Like him as like an Mbaku type character, or even like to as T'Challa T'Chaka. You know, like even like Idris Elba as T'Chaka would have been cool. You know, with him as like it's not that old, but you know, I think that would have been awesome. Or like him as Blade would have been sick too. Like Idris Elba's blade. I know we're not going to beat Marshall Ali, but yeah, you were never going to beat Marshall Ali. But Idris Elba's career has been weird, though. He's betting he was a Ghost Rider too. Yeah, but like during that time, like that time is literally Ghost Rider too. Like the losers. Well, he was in Luther. You know, he's in The Wire. Like he was in a bunch of TV shows, like Prestige TV. I know, but Thor was 2011. The losers and takers. Those like, you know, like. Liam Neeson type roles were right before that. So he was kind of like, it was right after the, it was like right after he was in the office as Charles Minor. Like it's, he was in like a, like a, I'm trying to, what am I trying to say? He's trying, he was in limbo, right? He was, it was after the wire. Like he was, like he was in limbo, like I said. And then you get, he's in Ghost Rider 2 and he does this one, Pacific Rim, right? So he's kind of like, I don't know. And then he he's continues more- in the MCU and then he gets Beast of No Nation, right? and uh 2015 so like he gets he gets that like i'm back but like he was in limbo like i said so it was tough for him i think he's like a better actor than his filmography that's the way i always think of Idris Elba. Easily. better actor than the filmography the, Easily. look at the filmography you're like michael Pena has a better filmography to be honest <laughs> honestly oh my god honestly if you're looking at the good movies if you compare the good and the bad like how many good movies was michael Pena and compared to Idris Elba? Idris Elba's a lead actor he's different you know, but also you have to take into account the TV he's done because it, it is like top tier TV. Um, I want you to put the word out that we back up. <laughs> we back up. Great. Um, let's go on to your next. Uh, give me give me two more. Give me two more. Honorable mentions. Uh, honestly, man, like we said a lot of them. One of them that you mentioned earlier. We have four left. Jarvis. I think Jarvis pre vision would have been a good one. Right. Just a. Just the voice, though, you know, it's like it, it wasn't going to crack Bettany. the top 10. But it's Paul Bettany. And that's why it's an honorable mention, right? Um, True. But yeah, I think influential Paul Bettany. That's why I'm saying it in honorable mentions. Um, 
But yeah, man, like, honestly, like, if you look at the Spider-Man franchise now with Tom Holland, I wouldn't pick anybody out of there. Either Ned Leeds no, would be too no big. No Ned Leeds. Or, uh, well, Ned Leeds, is he too big? Too big. I think he's maybe too big. Ned Leeds uh, too big for the side character? Again, again, he's side characters. He's the guy in the chair. Hey, side character. I'm thinking Korg. I'm thinking, like, not in your top billing, not in your he top too five big of in the a movie. Role? Yeah, too big. Way too much screen time. That's why I say with MJ. Maybe in Homecoming. Yeah, like, the love interest in can't. Much of no way home. Like, like love interest. I don't consider love interest to be like allowed in this draft. So like Peggy Carter wouldn't be allowed. But in like Ned Leeds is more of a side character than like the Grandmaster. It's a straight up villain. I don't. I don't agree with that. Oh, I, guess we'll I don't agree with that. I don't we'll like Ned Leeds is in a lot of the movie. All right, let me give you one more. Um, well, first off, I'll give you two more. Peggy Carter. And then Sharon Carter. But I had one more. One that I wanted to pick, but I think it's too it's too new. Is Karun from Eternals. The guy who's doing the camera work yeah. for Kumail Nanjiani. Dude, he is the funniest part of that movie. He honestly is. I want to rewatch Eternals just as I was like, man, I want to see how funny this guy. I was looking up the highlights a little bit. Like he was <laughs> the highlights of Eternals. He, and Karuna is the highlight of Eternals, to be honest. So, I don't know. I was happy with his performance. And I think uh, he's just, like, around these gods or these, like, robot figures we soon found find out. But, like, he is just, like, this normal fat Indian dude who's just hanging out with them. And he is, like, fully embracing or, like, being around all these superheroes. And then, like, him holding the camera. Like, make sure you're holding the camera, Karun. <laughs> like, it's, like, that type of stuff. His chemistry with Kamala Nanjiani, I think, was really good. I was I, I thought he was my last there, guy. There were some really funny laugh out moments with him for sure. Um like I just think Eternals, similar to like your Trevor Slattery slander and my own personal slander, just like thinking of Iron Man three, I just think of Eternals. Like I, that's that's why. Like I think of Eternals. Yep. Sounds about right. Um, any other final honorable mentions before we uh get on out of here? No, no, no. I think there's there's controversy almost as always, but I'm, I'm happy with my board. The Trevor Slattery pick was more f- to show the graphic, but besides that, I do like my board. Same here. Um, that's it for episode 99. One more episode, we're at 100 episodes. And guess what the 100th episode is going to be, Ricky Flex? Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness review. Right, we'll make it extra special for you. We'll go non-spoilers. We'll go spoilers. We might even throw a little bonus segment in there for you. Might even talk some Obi Wan Kenobi. Who knows what we're gonna do? Who knows what we're gonna do? All right, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Make sure you follow us on social media at the Drive In Pod for Instagram and TikTok and uh, Twitter. Make sure you also follow us on. Whatever listening platform you use, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the whole shebang, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube, which you may be watching at this moment. If you're watching, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, and then you're on your way. That's going to do it for episode 99. Until next time, we will smell you.